Right, we are back with episode, I think, six of the Midnight Pod, and this is probably, in my opinion, one of the more exciting episodes so far, um, just because I suppose, what we've probably spoken online for maybe like, that sounds proper weird, but just on like Instagram for maybe, I'm going to say like two years? I think it's about a year. I think it's... Maybe a year, maybe less. I think it was on a, on like a podcast that I watched maybe like a year ago, so then I, I sent you a DM saying, oh yeah, you're a sick guy. Yeah, something like that. And then I, d- I didn't know what you did initially because I don't think you had Morve in your... Is it Morve? Move. Move. fucking hell. Right, okay. In your bio. Um, and then you did, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, long story short, um, we've got Jordan Jones, founder of Move. Move, that's it. I thought it was Morve. Do you know what? No one knows how to pronounce it. Like, every, What does that actually mean? Basically, it means the word bad in French. So... Yeah, because I, I Google searched earlier, like, yeah. define Move. Yeah, so apparently the... Obviously, in in English, bad is like slang for you know cool, like you yeah, know, like bad sick. bad guy, sick guy. Um, yeah. Apparently, when it's a translation into French, it doesn't quite work in the same way. But for me, I'm just thinking like we're gonna like redefine the the word, like we're gonna make Move our own words. Same way you got okay. Acne Studios, yeah, made Acne Studios a cool brand. We're doing the same for Move. Yeah, so it's Move, not Move. All right, cool. Yeah, so Jordan Jones. Um, and yeah, I'm excited about this episode because I just, you know, yeah, it's fucking weird when you speak to people online and never meet them. But I feel like there's a pretty niche set of like young, successful e-com founders in the UK, particularly like, I don't know, I, mean, I don't know the facts, but I reckon there's like definitely like less than 20 people. Definitely, yeah. Probably, like unless maybe some, like, 50. Secret hidden people. Probably less, yeah, know. unless like super secret people. But I just feel like people like you don't get enough airtime. Um, I've been mm. giving myself airtime the past few episodes, but... <laughs> Yeah, that's why I wanted to do it. And I suppose just, yeah, just be good to... Because I actually know, like, like relatively what fucking very little about your background, to be fair. I know yeah. a little bit about muscle monkey and shit. But yeah, yeah, that's it. The first, I guess, question is just, like, tell us about your background and, I guess, yeah. maybe from school, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, so, now. for me, I was always, like, massively into, like, business um, and selling as a young kid, like... I think like when I was like 10 years old, like I was like flipping stuff and selling stuff on eBay and would buy books like how to get rich on eBay when I was like 10. Um, And uh, the the one thing for me is like, that sticks out in like 2006, literally I was in primary school. I had no cash, was getting 20 quid a month from my parents and um, the PS2, PS2 or PS3 was coming out. PS2 I reckon, yeah. And um, I was desperate to get this, this console my parents said like we, we're not going to buy it for you you're going to have to pay for it yourself and I'm thinking how the fuck can I buy this console yeah. when I'm getting 20 quid a month it's going to take me about four years I'm going to be about 16 by the time I can uh, afford this there'll be a new PlayStation um, yeah so I ended up like at the time I was like buying these Doctor Who cards for like I'd buy a whole box from the uh, the corner shop for like 30 quid and then there'd um, I'd, there'd be like certain super rare cards on every single box yeah. So then on eBay, because there was like collectors, they were sell- I was to be able to sell them for like fifteen pounds for each super rare card. But I knew that in each box there'd be like let's say like ten super rares. So mm-hmm. I'd be buying these boxes and then just selling the super rares on, on eBay. I made like a, like a grand, like like ten years old. Yeah. So I managed to like buy like buy the PS3, buy all the <clears throat> all the like games around it, all the everything. So that was obviously my first bit into uh, business, <clears throat> and then from there obviously it was. The guy who was selling sweets and polos and stuff in, yeah, in school. Yeah, you were that guy. I yeah, was that guy. 
But like, <clears throat> to be fair, I think I was always into econ from like my mum. Mum always had like a marketing background, so she'd always be driving into me about internet. So from the two, early 2000s, when I was literally like a toddler, she was doing marketing, talking about internet. Yeah. So for me, that's what like really drove me. So I was doing, I was learning HTML uh, and uh, PHP, CSS, coding when I was when I was a young lad. Um, so I had the, that background of kind of learning how to figure things out for myself as a young kid. So obviously when I hopped into like e-commerce, it was second nature for me just to be like, well, <clears throat> how do you fix stuff? Like how, how can I add this to the website? You know, whereas most people don't have that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so anyway, on a bit of a tangent. No, that's good. That's what we need. Content. Yeah, so anyway, so after that, yeah. So um, I was doing all that through school. Um, when I was like maybe 14, 15, 16, was sidetracked a little bit with football. I was like massively into like football as every, every kid is, wanted to yeah. make that. Um, so I kind of put business to the sides. I was like trading all the time. Um, and then I found my first brand at, um, when, I was, when I was 17. Um, and I was doing that alongside like a football course and like a sports science B-Tech, which is shit, but... <laughs> I had like so much spare time and I, I always like had this itch in me to like do something that would progress me. So with me being so into fitness, gym and stuff, a gym wear brand was like the next thing for me to do because obviously it tied in with the business and I always mm. wanted to do um, business and clothing and stuff like that. So I set obviously the gym wear brand up um, and that was literally like... The, that was in 2014, so it was like the most amateur thing going. Like we were literally printing on like, you know, Continental. Maybe it's like it's, it's basically Gildan, but like better Gildan. Oh, like it's Gildan, like, yeah, Gildan's like, classic. It's like elite Gildan. It's like really good quality. Yeah, fuck. Um, so we were doing um, yeah Continental t-shirts, printing on stuff like that, all in literally like ten a time. Yeah, yeah. No budget. If we ever bought a t-shirt to like sample to send to a factory, that would be like a shit ton of money that we would not be able to afford to lose again. Um, so evolved with, with the Jim Wear brand for a few years. Long story short, there was an issue with the brand name, um, which is then... What was the brand called? Muscle Monkey. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there's an, there was an issue with the brand name, essentially. Uh, I won't go into the details, but um, it meant that I had to start a new brand. Um, but at the time I was doing the Jim Wear brand, I was working with ASOS at the time. ASOS was our biggest like revenue source. Yeah. Um, so ASOS said to us, look, we'll continue to support you, but we need to like start a new brand up. So the buyer at ASOS like, helped me um, develop Move. So we oh, really? Of, yeah, right. so I was, I'd, I still do have a good relationship with the buyer at ASOS. I worked with for, for them years. Um, and they kind of, I, I, I came up with loads of brand names and then they kind of said, yeah, we like Move. Um, they helped put together the first range with me and then so when we launched Move, the first collection went on ASOS straight away mm. so it was good for the brand exposure he even got us to go on like on the big drop down on ASOS it had like new brands and like or top brands we managed to get on there for the first like couple of months which again was great for the brand exposure um, and yeah went from there but it went to Foot Asylum I think a few months after that um, then done really well Covid hit then fucked any wholesale up and then just done done econ 
Yeah, shit. I feel like that's like a what seven year journey in yeah. like seven minutes. Yeah, it's obviously twenty five now, so I started when I was seventeen. So yeah, it's like seven and a half, eight years compounding of just like knowledge and learning. Mistakes. And when did when did Muscle Monkey end? And was it literally mobile straight away? Yes, yeah, so that was so. Yeah, it ended in two thousand eighteen. Um, yeah. So the thing is, we just come off our best year of of business. Um, and when I say best year, like these numbers was small compared to like what would be acceptable now. Like I think our last year of, of the gym where brand was like 250K. It was like small numbers. Yeah. So small. Cause we weren't, we, I did at the time, like Facebook was a lot different to what it is now. Um, there was not cheaper. as many people, che- well cheap as fuck. I wish, I, wish yeah. I knew what I knew now back then. Yeah, everyone does. Hindsight. Trillionaire probably. Yeah, legit. I spoke <laughs> about this before. Yeah. So true. I'm like, fuck it. Obviously we're doing, we're doing paid ads, but on a small scale. If, if only I knew how to utilise it back then, it would be like a different story. But yeah, so that, that kind of ended in 2018. Had our best year. Found out the news in like the Feb 2018. So I think the day after I found out the news, I literally bought a whiteboard, put it up in my room. I was like, right, I need just to write whatever comes to my mind. What do you mean by the news? Well, with, with the brand name that we had to change the brand name, we had to, or the brand name, Muscle Monkey, as it, as it uh, was called, could not continue. So Why? And they said you won't go into it, but like who who so, made that decision? So I think people are going to watch, and that's yeah. Long story they're short, they're going to say why. Long story short, um, it was an issue from something that was in the news from from another big company. Um, yeah, and um, the back the backfall from that was the uh, my brand was looked at as a brand that potentially could not could not work. So. It was nothing to do with but trademark. It, it could technically have continued. Just it could have continued. It so just, yeah. it could have continued. It was no trademark issue. It was no legal issue. At the time, ASOS was my biggest uh, revenue source. Yeah. So you got to think back to, well, three years ago, e-com and our online website was not our revenue source. So that's always the big issue with companies who focus on um, getting into retailers and don't focus on e-com mm. is that if anything happens with the retailer um, and for whatever reason you might still sell well but the retailer makes the decision that they're not going to sock your brand anymore when that's pulled away from you you could your business could go under overnight yeah very so true so I've seen it happen time and time again it's like brands who some of these brands are making millions every year from certain retailers yeah I can think of a few but I'm not going to say yeah. one in particular yeah and then all of a sudden the retailer says do you know what we're going to change direction we don't mm. need you anymore these brands that you go over on a night, you got to understand that also these brands are set up to operate at a certain revenue level. Yeah. So when like you pull that revenue, and overheads yeah, and staff, shit. overheads, bigger warehouses, when you pull that away, like your business go under it in like two months because your, your fucking burn rate is so high. So obviously yeah. we're, we're operating on, on, a, on a much lower scale, but we could not afford to lose the revenue that we were getting from ASOS. So physically, the only thing we could do was listen to them and start the new brand as they wanted. Um, so yeah, that's how that's how Mobi started. And you say like they helped you start it. That's mm-hmm. like, that sounds like a pretty unique situation. Was that just because yeah. you like had a personal relationship with one of the people? Like they just felt sorry for you or what? No, like, so f- what's so the dynamic? I fit. So the guy, the people I worked with was Anthony and, and Maria ASOS, um, and they were always really supportive of me. Um, but I also think they saw like the the hard work, talent and drive I had. So 
they like invested in me as a person. Yeah. So I think they could see that I would make something work when I had the opportunity. So they obviously had to get signed off by the like the I think the director or someone at ASOS high up had to sign off and say, look, yeah, we could do this new round. But I was in a new, unique position where there was employees within ASOS who were prepared to kind of stand by my like by my side and fight fight my corner and say, look, let's. Um, let's start this new brand. But do you know what? There was a few casualties within ASOS at the time of brands who had maybe names that could have been seen in a certain way that could have got ASOS in trouble down the line that yeah. were kind of axed. Again, I won't go into it, but I might probably get myself in trouble. Um, yeah, so you said like, they, we, they said we should, like, we should start this brand. Was it just like they wanted you to start a brand by yourself and they would instantly stock it so it was like yeah, helping you or was it literally it. like yeah it's obviously no equity nothing yeah. no help so obviously the beauty of being in that position is with wholesale you can you can do something called purchase order finance so if you've got a purchase order from a large company like ASOS you don't even need to fund it yourself you can go to someone like Lloyds Bank and they'll give you oh, yeah. money up front to um, produce the product produce well no nah, sorry that's actually a lie so you got a purchase order finance that gives you the money at the time the product goes into the warehouse. So most companies like ASOS, Zalando, JD Sports, it'll all be on certain um, payment terms, like normally like 90 days. Yeah. Um, so for small brands, 90 days fucking just kills your cash flow. Again, it can put you, put you out of business because you physically can't afford to outlay, let's say 50K for stock and not have that for... 90 days plus yeah. production time. So I had I set up purchase order finance with the last brand, which meant when I went into the warehouse, got the um, the money up front from Lloyd's. But then obviously that doesn't solve the problem of how do you go to a factory and then produce the goods when you, if you don't, maybe don't have the capital to do it. So that's when you then go to companies and ask for, um, I think it's... Uh, it's it's basically like production finance or something so basically you can get the money up front so that the company will then pay the factory direct and then you obviously pay a percentage so I was in a position where um, yeah I didn't have to pay for the stock well obviously I got got technically loaned the money to Mm. make this first collection Um, no equity at all from ASOS they just helped me because they wanted to get kind of give me a kind of a help get us onto the website so for me, it was like a, a blessing in disguise. Um, and not only that, it put me in a position where um, I was able to go down a different direction. So I felt that with gymwear, I was very pigeonholed into what we were doing. So especially with the brand name, it was very alpha male. Um, could only be a certain person who'd want to wear it. Yeah. Only certain products. So you've got to think the type of people that buy it is so niche and probably there's a cap on what revenue you can make because um, it doesn't transfer into women's where probably the majority of other yeah, competitors so. are making their revenue um, so actually had it continued and there wasn't an issue I'd probably gone out of business because I don't think that we could have competed or grew the revenue where we needed to go so it's so, meant to happen you think absolutely well, it was at least it was, the star, yeah. stars aligned so yeah. um, the, the beauty of the issue that happened was I could start the new brand and go and learn everything I learned from the first brand and then um, put it into the second. So I knew that 
with with Mova, I needed a brand name that was like um, kind of universal. It could go across men's, women's, mm. kids, accessories. Um, there'd be no kind of issue with it. I wanted it to just sit on its own as a brand. Like when you go down like Bond Street, you see Gucci, you see Louis V, you see all these brands. Like it, like it just it sits on its own the brand name. Yeah. So when I made this first, when I made Mova, I wanted it to just do the same thing. Um, I didn't really want it to mean anything, have any like kind of weird connotations or mean a certain yeah. thing. Be um, go down like I didn't want it to like resonate with any kind of certain type of person. I just wanted it just to be a brand. Yeah, a bit like Zara. Yeah, to be fair. Um, so I think this gave me yeah. When you when you learn this and then you can start the new brand, it was just like hit the ground running really, and it was just like. Uh, yeah, as soon as we started, we knew we kind of we wanted something. And how long was Muscle Monkey then? Four years? Pretty long. Four years, yeah. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's pretty similar to when I had a clothing brand yeah. in uni. Yeah. Well, I wasn't. it was when I dropped out of uni that was initially a dropshipping store selling jeans when nice. I discovered Facebook ads and then it became a brand called Dusk and my yeah. mate came involved. But yeah. it was only for like nine months until. Yeah. But the reason we had to stop that was because of the name. There was a trademark dispute. Oh, really? It was like different, but... So what that was, was ultimately that like, was a decent business like I, I look back at it now and think fuck like you know coulda woulda shoulda but can you not just change the brand name like just relabel I mean yeah so well I, I started it and then my mate came in who's probably watching this but he, he runs an agency now called uh, Saul with us you know I think I think so he might have contacted called me called Ollie yeah yeah so yeah. I've referred him loads of people so yeah. we kind of well yeah he, at, the time, at the time he was like more into like uni and stuff and yeah. I was trying to hustle on this brand that didn't really work yeah. but yeah, we ended up working together with, with his agency anyway. But yeah, that ended up ending and yeah. it was kind of similar. But I sometimes think, fuck, if I'd stuck with something when I was I know, 20 at the time. I mean, whatever, it's, it wasn't meant to happen. But I, I don't think that was for me anyway, to be fair, clothing. But No, it's hard, it's yeah. hard industry. So hard. I don't think, you see a lot of brands cropping up and I don't think people quite understand what it takes to make it or to, to even be profitable. So the whole time, like, Muscle Monkey was, was running, I wasn't even taking a fucking salary. So, like, I was literally living at my mum's house. Were you like, full-time? Yeah, man. I was, like, I was, well, I was, you know, I was expensing stuff, but I was, yeah, yeah. I was living... But you didn't have a part-time job, right? No, not at all. I was full-time on the brand. Was not, was not kind of taking anything pers- uh, personally as, as income, but I was, um, yeah, running this business. Um, still doing a lot of like big things. I like, done like Body Power Expo, which was like a cost like forty k yeah, to go to. I remember actually seeing that brand when I was I don't know when exactly, but yeah, like yeah, was, man. So like Body Power was size, to my memory. What Body Power? Or, no, your yeah, brand. Yeah, yeah. So I remember knowing that's the, the brand. Thing, yeah, so obviously people knew it. Like it was especially within the industry, the fitness industry. Like yeah. people knew it, especially after Body Power, because like invested a lot of money into into the stand and stuff like that. Um, but. Um, yeah, all these all these big investments. I always had this thing of like, it will come good. It will come good. Just like, stop. Don't take any money for yourself now. You're in a good position. You're living at home. You don't have any outgoings really, apart from like going out and stuff like that. Just like reinvest everything. Um, so yeah, for the first few years, man, it was hard. Like, like I said, I wish I went onto YouTube and typed in how to run Facebook ads a few years earlier. Yeah, legit. Tell me all. Right, little wine break, as we always seem to do, about 15, 18, 19 minutes in. Um, and I'm wearing a white shirt, so this red wine back on the pod is fairly risky. But yeah, don't we all wish we were on Facebook ads in fucking 2014? But Massively. So just on that then, 
like the home situation. Yeah. I guess where are you from? I don't know if you mentioned this, but where are you yeah. from? And like, and where did that go in terms of you living at home with your mum? I think you mentioned. Yeah. Doing the first brand. Mm. When did you move out? I suppose kind of two part question. Just a bit on that side of things. Well, I still live. I still live at home in the minute. Oh really? Yeah. So for me, I, I was just Pretty build, smart build, financially. Yeah, building the brands. Well, I paid a I paid a mortgage off two months ago, so that's that helped her out. But I, um, for me, um, living at home was was good because it just kept me focused. Um, yeah. Had no distractions. Like obviously, all my friends went to uni. I stayed at home. Um, I just grinded and grinded. Like I had, literally mm. had no distractions. I live in a, a small town called St Ives, just outside Cambridge. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, living there was like. It's, if I lived in London if I lived in Manchester if I lived anywhere I would be distracted with going out probably like four times a week <laughs> but being, that, maybe maybe nah but, but being at home gave me gave me the focus I good, I've got good support with around me in terms of my mum and dad um, so just helped massively um, obviously now I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking for houses now but I'm just finding the right place to move into so obviously I'm, I'm wanting to buy a place um, but for me I wanted to make sure my parents were right first obviously my, the number one thing for me was to pay my mortgage off before I moved out so obviously done that now um, so yeah the next step is to yeah I saw that on Twitter that's pretty sick yeah next next step obviously is to move I've out I've not done that yeah <laughs> so it's good man it was honestly it was I like, spent so money on cars instead yeah so me, the thing is for me that the, the number one thing was to do that for my mum because she's, she, she's grafted all her life. She has been a massive inspiration to me through my whole business. Um, so so to be able to do that for us was massive. Yeah, so your parents still together? Yeah, they're together, yeah. So it was like good family life, do you think? It's like, good, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's not too bad. I mean, like, I'm not trying to make a sob story. I'm just saying No, no, it's, it's good family. It's good. But like um, my, mom, my mum's always the one who, like my mum owns a house. Yeah, uh, his mum's always the one who, uh, for, for many years, like, supported the family and stuff like that. Mm. So I've seen the hustle she went through. Sometimes had opportunities that she could have probably have gone further. I always think that my mum had the opportunity to do something amazing, um, but obviously life got in the way, and she never yeah. got to the place she could have done. So obviously she we, she was stuck in that. She still lives in the same house she did, uh, that she bought when she was twenty eight, and she should have maybe moved two or three times and upsized but because of certain things in life she never got there so that's why me as a person like one of the reasons why I want to do well wanted to like start business is I wanted to make sure that I could at least do something for my mum mm. do you know what I mean uh, and also like she she worked so hard like growing up she'd be the person who works 24-7 she'd be up at night working then she'd be doing all the house chores then she'd be cooking dinner like I've seen someone work so hard in her life and that that is definitely rubbed off on me like that's why now within business like I work hard because I've had a role model who's just done that as well throughout my life as yeah. a person growing up through, through is she an entrepreneur? she's not an entrepreneur but she's a, she's a marketer she she's a very clever marketer yeah um, my she's had a bit she had a business when she was younger it uh, went bust she got screwed over um, my dad had a business as well went bankrupt my granddad had a had a massive business in the 80s or 90s it was like I think 10 mil rev so obviously nowadays that probably was more close like 30 million yeah, in today's money inflation. so 
my granddad had a, had a massive business, um, but he still works. He's 82. He's in the US now. He still works because like during the 08 um, a financial crisis, he basically lost his house. Um, had a massive house in the US, but yeah. But so I think entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, as well as creativity, is in my is in my DNA. So, on my mum's side, most of my family are like artists or artistic in one way. So like, um, obviously, mum's a marketer. But when she was younger, she was like a draw. She done like painting and stuff like that. Yeah. My grandma was an amazing painter. Um, we have paintings all around our house that she's done. Um, my my cousin who I'm quite close to what's a trap star he actually does he's, oh, a, yeah, yeah. he's, a, he's a menswear designer so he, he does oh, really? basically does my job but when are you going to hire him well so, do you know what I, th- I think if, uh, business and pleasure can't go together so I think business and family yeah yeah I think it's not I'll one probably to cross agree with that. but um, it's uh, yeah man he like so he obviously he, the funny thing is that he when I was a kid I always looked up to him as a, as a, as a cousin and he was always doing like graphic design and like he's like he's always the cool cousin right and um, yeah it's funny how we both ended up in the same industry and like when we were when we were younger that was never like feasible that we would end up doing that um and then my other auntie she's a she's a painter now does it in her spare time and then my other auntie who's the the mum of my cousin who works trap star um went to fashion uni or fashion college when she was, oh, really? when she was younger yeah so it's like it's definitely like it's, it's definitely written in the stars as DNA it's like I've, I feel like I've got my granddad's business acumen and then um, also my parents acumen that they've tried to do something obviously it's not worked out for them for one way or another but mm. obviously they had the business there but it just didn't happen then I've got the creative yeah. side from mum's side of the side of the family so did you ever think about getting to uni what was crap with that never ever never ever thought about getting to uni so because I started the business at 17 it was just yeah true it was, true it was never in my in my psyche like I look at some of my friends and I think do you know what I've missed out on the uni experience like I would love to have gone there and met people mm. but then again like I've gone through the sacrifice and then my friends aren't in the position that I'm in now so it's one of those things where you've it's got to balance up what's what's important to you yeah uni is a weird one I could like debate it because I went yeah. I went I technically went and dropped out yeah, literally yeah. twice because yeah. I went and then left and then decided to get back and then left yeah. again you got a fat student loan yeah I'm not sure about that actually um, <laughs> fuck I, don't, I haven't Touch paid it now. back I haven't paid it back I mean as far as I'm concerned that's fucking scam so maybe I should charge you back it's but, an extra tax right yeah I mean my opinion on uni is a weird one I think I mean, I, I don't know what else, because I guess you have to remember, like, whatever you want to call it, 95, 99% of people aren't going to start a business. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I've discussed this with people before. It's like, so like, you know, you've got to give something to, that, that most people can follow. And yeah. I think it's a good, my, my conclusion of it is, I think it's great socially, teaches yeah, how to live a line, whatever. You can fucking, to put it bluntly, you can shag girls and drink too much and... <laughs> probably be depressed 90% of the time because you're yeah. hungover all the time I, I think it's a bad environment for that absolutely but I, education wise I think for a good 90% of degrees it's laughable yeah of but course. I think if you're doing something like engineering and mm-hmm. fucking shoot me in the comments whatever but it's just I think it's facts like, I think agree. business degrees are, and I'll say this myself because ironically I actually did entrepreneurial business management oh, really? as a course title right. for six weeks right. before I left I thought what the fuck is this um and in hindsight now, 
you know, none, none of the lecturers that ever run a business or even started a business and it just... That's what annoys me about for, um, business advisors at places like Barclays and Lloyd's who have never had a yeah. business. How can someone advise you on business when they've not, never done it themselves? So I also think like, how can teachers or people at uni who are teaching you, how, how can they advise you on how to do well in life when they're on, let's be honest, like a low salary and like they've not done it themselves? Yeah. Like they, they're not inspiring. Like it's just not the way, it's just a bit backwards. I feel like people get stuck in a rat run. It's like, yeah, it's just, you, I you've been told agree. to go to uni, then you come out, get a job, then you get a low paid job and then you get to a, a place in your job where you get to the threshold to start paying off your uni loan, but you're still in a shit pay job. Yeah, I think, I mean, geez, this could be a whole fucking episode, but yeah. at, at the end of the day, like it's the system, isn't it? Like obviously there's a system which keeps people trapped in my opinion Absolutely, like I'm not yeah. a fucking conspiracy theorist but I just and we spoke about it a bit on the last episode mm. which hadn't come out when we're recording this but it would have done when you watch this and yeah I mean Christ but I, I can see why there needs to be some structure for, for yeah. in place for the majority to follow like I, I'm yeah. not suggesting I've got a better idea I'm just saying you know fucking moaning on camera saying I just don't think uni is nah. like as relevant as it was and I think particularly for shit like business like you say you know if you want to be an engineer like my twin brother non-identical twin He'll probably never be on this. It's very unlike me. Like he's not entrepreneurial. Ultimately, like if you're watching this, don't take it personally. But I needed engineering. I see the value in that. Yeah. And maybe like being a doctor or a lawyer, or whatever. Like I don't know what the word is. Like more vocational skills. Where like you know you, you have to do that to be able to do it. But shit, like I think yeah, business is a joke. But at the same time, mm. I don't know what I, I don't have a better suggestion. To be fair, I, don't I know. think it'd be interesting what happens over like, the next ten years. Like education. I'm not sure. I think I think the problem is it's set up so like most people won't won't get to what we're doing. Like I don't think the economy is set up for like people like me. If everyone was like me and you, the economy wouldn't work. Well, yeah, because who who the fuck is going to get employed? Like if everyone's trying to start a business and be this person who's going to make the next unicorn company or something, like who's there to do that? like the labour work who's there to sit in an office and reply to emails it's just not there so that's why yeah. like the government has set out this thing for people just to go into this system where it makes us, it makes society work hmm. it doesn't make like you rich it just makes things like turn in a fucking wheel yeah geez it's actually mad the tangent I could go on here but yeah because like basically everything other than the requirement to fucking eat and breathe is like made up yeah yeah exactly it's right. like over time society has become this thing and it, it makes sense I, again I don't have a much better suggestion but mm. I think yeah if you're not like I, I like jokingly tongue in cheek call them civilians and I don't mean that <laughs> offensively like I'm just saying like people that aren't entrepreneurs which is fucking fine I'm not saying it's better or worse it's just different yeah but people that aren't entrepreneurs it's like yeah, you're right. You're not, if you're not going to start a business, you obviously need a job. So yeah. if everyone had a business, what? Who's then, the, yeah, no one's there to be fucking employed, right? Yeah, like I think I pretty much I think it's a ninety-nine-one split on average. Like if you want to percent percentage it, that's it. But do you know what I think? Most people just aren't cut out for it either. Like I speak to some people, like friends, people who aren't friends, acquaintances. Mm. They just physically could not go through the stress, the hard work, the long hours that we go through. But they can't like they might think they can but they can't like if they if they actually yeah. lived the life of an entrepreneur 
where you, sometimes when you're obviously first starting out, you don't know when you're going to get your next paycheck or you don't know when you're going to be in a certain position where you can start earning good money. Most people don't want that. They want security. Yeah, I think to be fair, I'm cutting you off too much here, but I'm, f- I'm fucking passionate about it. Like me and Tyler spoke about this, I think on the, the previous two episodes ago, whatever. But I honestly believe like if you're getting into entrepreneurship for money, then you're not an entrepreneur. Course, like yeah. obviously like, I'll be the first to say like the, the shit that motivated me when I was younger was I wanted an Audi R8 like fucking yeah, yeah. stupid shit and then you get it and realise doesn't mean anything after a month you've had it you're like what's the next thing but yeah like people that for, for example I don't know we're like e-com is massive like e-com and crypto like you know I'm going to start a business but like if you're not thinking about it all the time just naturally then it probably yeah. is for you that's and, it and it's just I, I think that, like, it has to be an absolute obsession it has to be your lifestyle like it can't just be a job like for me like I'm consumed by e-commerce, business, my brand. Yeah. Like, it's just all I think about. And like, that's when I realise that I'm different to everyone else because when I go out with some of my friends who have normal jobs, it's not in their, like, psyche, Different conversation. Yeah, to just be talking about all the time. Like, I could talk about my business, about e-com, 24-7. Mm. Everyone else aren't like that. So that's when you realise that we are a certain type of person that actually the majority of the society aren't like. Yeah, so true. I think, yeah, I, I knew that in school that I wanted to do something different, but yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what it was at the time. Yeah. And then fucking, whatever, you figure it out gradually, I'm still figuring it out, but yeah, like, and then and then in uni, I remember feeling, I was like so depressed at uni because I, I had like a good time and shit, but I just remember feeling so, I'd be, I'm not joking here, and this sounds fucking like weird like incel shit and I wasn't a complete virgin at uni but I remember being out on like nights out and fucking checking, checking my Shopify bro I'm I still dead do that serious. now I do that now I check my Shopify every I deleted minute. the app like three years ago because it's unhealthy as fuck but Dude, mate, maybe I that's just me I'm bipolar <laughs> as fuck but well, I got to a point where I wasn't even checking Shopify I was checking Google Analytics, analytics yeah real time looking visits. at contact information that's bad payment information thank yeah, you and I, was, I still do that now I'm mate, I'm, and now we're doing well. Like, how how long can you fucking look at this fucking dashboard? It, and it takes away from actually the work sometimes because you, yeah. you get to the point where you start to look at all I, these things. I know exactly what you mean. And then you're, you're looking at a screen, you're thinking you're working, but actually, how um, productive yeah, yeah. are you being? It's just just obsession. It? it is. It is an obsession. It's it's a, it's a drug. It's like it's just like the way social media is. It draw, draws you in, makes you look at everything, makes you scroll through. Shopify and earning money. 10 times worse it's like a massive drug addiction yeah I, I definitely I, I deleted the app like three years ago but yeah, yeah. I, I completely like I have just vivid memories of doing that in like a nightclub and if it was bad your, your day's ruined yeah like, yeah it, that's it it, ru- it ruins your evening right he's laughing but it's fucking true <laughs> like yeah like, like it's it, so funny you say that because every person and there's not many of them but like every good mate I have now that's in the e-commerce space or whatever does the exact same yeah. shit or has done the exact same <laughs> shit and people watching this I think will relate to that like inhumanely like is that in fucking right term but like I actually had a call with some another guy that's a bit like like us a guy called Max he's probably watching this yeah, yeah. I never met him just like someone I thought he was Chinese for a start because oh, really? he had a fucking no profile picture yeah. and he had just a what I think Japanese whatever like some fucking Chinese word in his bio so I was like yeah. cool I'll get on a call with you he wasn't Chinese not that it would have been a problem but <laughs> um, and he, was, he said the same thing he said I don't know what the conversation was, but it came up like, do you still get that stress of like, like checking stuff and if it's going bad or good? And I said, yeah, I probably get it less now. I mean, mm. certainly the past few months, I've been less actively involved, but 
I'm sure I'll get it again when I launch the new brand like next week but yeah, yeah it's fucked it's so bad it just it's consumes like, you it does consume you and it, and it does like ruin your mood um, and it's even like certain times like if I if I look at this time last year and saw what revenue we're doing versus now yeah I would be like I would be ecstatic if I was doing what I did by 9am if I'd done that in a whole day last year I'd be fucking buzzing but now if I hit a certain revenue in the morning and it's not what I want it to be it just puts me on a shit mood for the whole day and it's yeah. like why am I getting myself into this trap it's like even sometimes during the evening we make up the revenue like and it's fine so at the end of the day yeah we're hitting evenings our, typically in my experience and, always yeah, better um, well especially with our US customer base we obviously we do get a big surge like between like one in the morning and like four in the morning so that is that is for me when I wake up I do gauge where we at where we're at yeah. but obviously then again they come online again during the evening but mate it just fucks your fucking mood up bad like sometimes if, if I'm like if I've done bad one morning and it's not where I want it to be it's like the worst thing I jump in my car I'm thinking fuck this yeah I mean it's never gonna always be up is yeah. it that's the thing as long as it's like up on a monthly quarterly yearly course, trend yeah. whatever but espe- especially when you're getting started and it's a new business like you obviously can't have a fucking yearly trend yeah of course you've never had a year yeah or like but yeah it's mad um mm-hmm. I just want to take it back then to a previous point I was going to mention. Yeah. So you said still living at home, etc. Yeah. And in many ways, I think that's fucking smart. But the flip side of that, I'm going to get your opinion on this. It's yeah. like, I guess I went to uni, moved out, whatever. But then I would like, travel like full time between like 2018 yeah. and 2020, pretty much, or 17 and 19 even. Um, and then I like went home in between, etc. So I like mm. lived at home while I was doing all right, etc. Yeah. But, and then ended up moving to London like two and a half years ago. But do you think that's like it's like net obviously like basically what you're saying is there's way less distractions living at home and I yeah, see that yeah but do you think it's like net beneficial with like because potentially let's just say hypothetically you move to fucking near where I live or whatever yeah you're going into Mayfair every, every week yeah. I, don't, I don't even go out much but like you're just exposed to you know fucking nine million pound apartment next door yeah there's Rolls Royces everywhere which makes me sound like a fucking materialistic cunt, but the point is like you see that exposure to like wealth and there's probably more chances to meet more like-minded people. Not in yeah. every case, but genuinely like, did, yeah, so that's a long-winded question, but do you think... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a weird one. You've not missed out on that benefit potentially. I've massively missed out on that benefit. I think I slightly touched this when I spoke to you on, on Instagram before. I was like, yeah. the one thing about me is like, I don't like fake shit. So although like, I'm massively motivated by all this amazing stuff like these big fucking houses the cars and stuff what I don't like is like I don't mind networking but I can't be a fake person so I can't be that guy who's gonna go to that party just because so and so's there or I'm not gonna go mm. and meet someone just because that could get me to a certain place I've got a fucking great set of friends that support me more than anyone else would so like I know for a fact that my set of friends that I've got in my town just won't snake me they support me like back when I was doing my gym brand they'd work on my stand body power all weekend for free they still now would if I needed some help they'd be there in, in, in a in a flash especially obviously gone off camera crazy like Legend. the support is mad like you don't see that often and I, that's why I've been in a lucky position where I've got good people around me um, obviously I have missed out on the networking with people who are probably in a similar position or in a bigger position than yeah. me but I think that at the end of the day, I'm focusing on myself. 
I know what my end goal is. I know what I want to sell the brand for. I know what revenue I want to get to. Does not really matter about external things because I'm selling direct to consumer. I'm selling online. Like, does it matter if I know someone who's fucking got a business doing 10 million a year or 50 million a year, 100 million a year? Doesn't really matter because I'm in my own lane. I'm going to build the best fucking brand in the, in the world. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it is it is interesting about it. I think it comes down to like the sort of person you are. Because for me, yeah. I definitely see the part about friends. But yeah. to be fair, I think even that's probably fairly rare. So maybe that's like fortunate. But for me, it was more like I just hated feeling like I was lonely in the process, to be honest. Mm. Maybe that's just me being a little bitch, but that's just the Well, truth. maybe so. But the thing is for me, like, was I, I personally, when I get to the point where I've done well and I've got some fucking book out, I will talk about the fact that I spent six years in my bedroom on my own, speaking to no one Monday to Friday. My parents were at work. I was lonely as fuck, but that's the kind of shit that makes you want to be successful. When you're when you're so low and you've got nothing, the only thing that's going to get you to a certain place is just believing that you're going to get there and like just working hard. So I still believe in that. I still think that me being in the same town I was in still grinding hard, not having all these distractions, works in my favour. I think Yeah. On the, on the flip side, we're saying about all the networking, like being around people are doing really well. That also can go against you because you're going to be around people who are potentially got other agendas, trying to snake you out, trying to understand things about you that are going to get them in certain places, potentially um, are going to do certain things to you. I, I just don't think that it's the be all and end all personally like it's great to know these people but yeah that's, that's what does it saying. really matter unless you want to obviously yeah. I want to sell the business at some point but I think the only thing that's a positive about networking is when you want to finally get get acquired what other benefit is there obviously you've got the the thing about being motivated by the people in the same position as you like for me personally just seeing the stuff that you do stuff that Fred does motivates me to want to do better I don't, it'd be obviously great to link yeah, up more. Yeah, no, but I see what you're saying. I think, I guess you know most I mean? my friends that are called close friends are now. Yeah. Like, yeah, I say like, I'm, I, like I moved to London mm. and got a place two and a half years ago with Fred and another guy called Seb yeah. when we were in very similar positions that definitely hadn't fucking made it or anything, still haven't. Mm. He has definitely more than me at this point, but. Um, Big up Fred. Yeah, fuck. Um, so, yeah, I see what you mean in terms of like new people though. Like, for example, if I met someone now, like, you definitely experience that. Mm. But like, well, probably less so for me now because I'm not driving a flash car at the minute. But <laughs> Soon come, yeah, bro, don't worry. Yeah, that's a, it's an interesting viewpoint, actually. It's kind of deep. It is, mate. I just think that, like, for me personally, like everyone will tell you, it's like, I keep my circle so small. Like, I don't let anyone in. I don't let, don't, if someone's got a friend. wouldn't even come on this podcast. He was reluctant. Well, yeah, a bit reluctant. I don't really want to talk about stuff, but. I'm going to use him. Huh? No, I'm joking. But uh, no, do you know what? I'm, I've known you for ages. We've been friends anyway. We've chatted, got to know you. So we, I feel like we're, we're friends anyway, even though we're e-friends. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just think you got to be you got to be careful, man. There's a lot of people out there, especially in business, when they understand the kind of numbers you're doing, they just all they want is how can they make money off you? And you just got to be careful who you surround yourself with. Uh, make sure people aren't putting you down a certain path just because they see a benefit for themselves. 
I just think people got to be careful and be clever. Yeah, fuck. Okay, so just on that then, and I know we spoke about it very briefly off camera previously. Yeah. So like, and there's a bunch of shit I want to come back to, but I have to speak about this now because it's relevant. So the whole, like, you've mentioned a few times, I've seen it myself, and I've done it myself in the past as well. Like, you, like, share numbers and, like, you yeah. know, screenshots or whatever of your brand, you know, say X amount in one day, which is yeah. great and definitely turns heads. Like, I've had debates with people and, like, there's, a, there's just a general debate, you know, like, certain people with even bigger brands do that and others don't, etc. Some people say, like, you shouldn't share the numbers because what you're saying is people will, will use you or potential to, yeah. like, try and rip you off, but then... If you're saying that, why do you, you know, playing devil's advocate, why do you share the numbers? But then yeah. obviously, yeah, I, I see like pros and cons to both sides. So like, so I think be on that. Well, like obviously the the normal civilian <laughs> sees social media as a way to like post about themselves, uh, post about their lifestyle. They're trying to get a few double likes or whatever, whatever they're trying to do. I don't know what yeah. it is now. But like, only fans. When, yeah, exactly. Trying to get an OnlyFans subscription, but when it comes when it comes to business and making money, social media is a vehicle to increase your profile, increase your business, increase your brand, and make more money. So, like, I I'm I'm quite guarded in the sense I don't post too much stuff about the ins and outs of the business day to day. But obviously, I've I've been guilty of posting screenshots of revenue numbers. Well, yeah, I don't think it's guilty. It's just yeah, you know. You've um, done it. But me personally, it's a way to get people talking about the brand. I think when you start, when you see obviously in your story, you post revenue and then you've got 1,500 people looking at your story, that's getting shared. They're talking about that. They're getting shared around people. They're talking about, oh, yeah, people's group chats. Oh, uh, Move is doing this amount. That is a positive brand marketing. marketing. Uh, I know it's been in my group chats. Yeah, well, good. that's good because it's, it's Not worked, from me, right? but from others. So, so I want. I don't care who's sharing it. I want people to talk about the brand. So I post stuff because I want people to talk about Move, and ultimately it's gonna make the brand bigger, and it's gonna make more people buy stuff. And it might not make you buy stuff because you're you're in ecom or you're in the industry, but for the normal person who likes the brand anyway, when they're seeing the brand pop, well, I'm actually wearing Move now, by the way. Well, exactly. Just a fucking shout out, which was. <laughs> In. I think I bought that. I think I, I think I knew it was your brand, but I still bought it full price. Love that. Appreciate yeah. the support. Shout but out. yeah, no, it's like when people are seeing the brand pop in, they think it's going to sell out and stuff. It's going to push them to buy. It's going to make the brand bigger. I always say there's, there's a few brands I've seen that have got massive media attention where actually maybe they got that media attention when they weren't as big as or weren't didn't have a bigger didn't have the revenue that we have right now. But they Talking had about Gymshark. Yeah, Jim Shark. You know, they're at five million revenue. They get a national papers talk yeah, about them. I do remember that. We're obviously we're bigger than that now. We get no media attention, but I'd say the biggest thing about Jim Shark and why they've got their unicorn status, unicorn status, and got to a point where they've sold part of their business and been valued at a billion pounds is is that repetitive PR stunt they put, put yeah, out about Ben Francis being young, younger. He's built this massive brand. Well. If another brand done the same thing and tried to build their like PR campaigns and got into the papers and got people to talk about them, yeah. they could get acquired for more. I do agree. You could be an underground brand, underground brand at 30 million revenue. If no one fucking knows about you, you're not going to get acquired. 
you're not going to get you're not going to inflate your rev, your your, uh, your uh, acquisition price so i'd say look at in the style yeah they ipo'd for over 100 mil when they were making a loss every year why did they ipo for over 100 because they got good pr do you know what i mean that's yeah the they have that channel all. 4 documentary it? It channel, channel 4, 4 documentary yeah. in, like, the guy who owns behind it behind the fashion or something yeah so obviously they had a great, PR, they had a great um, documentary the guy, the guy behind it is always in the papers talking yeah, about yeah. his big story I follow him I follow him as well hmm. he's bought my stuff as well if he tries to copy it from Enzo Brown I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to notice that don't worry <laughs> um, but um, yeah so obviously he is in the papers because of his success even though he makes a loss every year right his revenue is good but he makes a loss then he IPOs for over 100 million but let's say another brand is at 30 million revenue and makes a good profit but no one knows about them they're never going to be able to IPO for over 100 million because no one knows about them yeah so it's about true. you have to get media attention you have to get PR otherwise you're not going to if, if, if that's what you want anyway if, if you want to get acquired if you want an IPO you have to get the media to talk about you or get people to at least talk about you yeah fuck I mean there's so many things I want to talk about now but just on the acquisition point because I yeah. feel like that's like you know it, it's like fucking stereotypically at least and in my opinion it's like winning the Champions League course, as, yeah. as an entrepreneur like if you get a big acquisition you know go buy a fucking yacht and whatever yeah. and do the next thing fucking printing money for your life um, like when what's the goal there like when do you think that's going to happen and, and I guess the second part of the question is you know, like, do you think is is it just about the money? Then is it, some people say, well, if you if you just aim to get acquired, it's about the money, blah blah mm. blah. Like, do you actually like what you do? Then what do you do afterwards? It's fucking like seven part question, but of course, it's a hard one. It's it's one that runs around my head myself. Like, I'm trying to think actually, what is it that drives me? But I am passionate about fashion and being in the process of building a business and a brand. And like, when you've got when you've got people who are buying your stuff and then posting on Instagram and saying how much they love the stuff, like, there's no better feeling. Mm. So I love the process of building that brand and um, and seeing people enjoy it themselves. Um, but obviously I want to get acquired. I want to make my family, I want to get in a position where my family down the generations are going to be sound and safe because I've done something great. Like I want to be remembered in the future because I've built some amazing business that's been acquired uh, and people know about it like that's what drives me it's not just about the acquisition it's about building yeah. something massive it's about building agree. something a legacy in it a legacy like for me I say this to loads of people like for me legacy is like the most important thing like I don't give a fuck really about obviously I give a fuck about Don's getting grey hairs saying this yeah like I, I care about the, the numbers obviously I wanna I wanna be like secure but the thing that motivates me the most is I wanna die and people to remember me for doing something out, out extraordinary, like out of the ordinary. Do you know what I mean? So for me, that's my biggest motivation. And getting acquired is one of those things that's going to get you remembered. Yeah, I definitely agree. Is there a number that you're going for? I mean, there probably is. It probably changed. There's a number that like I want to go. There's a number that I want to go for that's probably absurd that may or may not happen, but. Obviously, I want to go for the hundred mil. So you have to. Yeah, you got to aim for that. Every everyone in ecom aims for hundred mil. If I get a fifty mil, I'll take it. 
But I think anything under that, I don't. I think I'll be doing myself disjustice. I think my brand's too good to not take more than fifty mil. 100%. Do you know what I mean? 100%. Like yeah. if you think what we're doing now, if you think of other and brands, have you got a timeline on that? I think I could do it in on, in three years. Where we're at now, I think you got to think that I, although Move is just turned three years old, I've been in the industry for eight years. I've been grinding since I was seventeen. Like I've been through a lot. Like. I've only started taking a salary from the last 18 months. Like I grinded hard, do you know what I mean? So although I'm just starting the journey of Move, I feel like as a person, I've been through yeah. fucking a long, long journey myself. Yeah, and I feel I like the acquisition that. is, especially where we're at as a business now, it's not there yet, but it's, it's not too far away. In terms of, it's not fucking 10 years away, it's a few years away. Yeah. Let's say tomorrow you get a hundred million quid, or not tomorrow, but you know, hypothetically in a few mm. years, whatever. What would you do then? You're only fucking still in your late twenties at that point. Mid twenties, mate. Oh, look, if I don't it at right that now, point. twenty-five, if, what, yeah, three so, years, whatever. You know, right, yeah, let's just say 20s. you do it, twenty-eight, twenty-nine, whatever. So I think that the thing is, I would, I would obviously invest in a certain assets that would, that would generate me an income. Number one. Secondly. It's what I don't. I'm, I've got a debate with myself. Will I go back in the trenches? I don't know. If I've got all that money, would I? Would I want yeah, to go nice back in? Nice problem to have, wouldn't it? Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I feel like I've got a love for e-commerce, fashion, and business. But if I had that much amount of money sitting in my bank, would I want to get back in the trenches? Because I know how hard it is. But at the same time, yeah. I feel like anyone who's at our stage of e-com has almost like a blueprint of like we could probably start a product and just blow it up fairly fast I'd say because we know marketing we know everything around production and stuff so I, I feel yeah. like I could start a new brand and, and probably scale it quite fast but would I want to go through that process of doing that because obviously profits year one two even if we're doing seven figures rev might be fairly low like if you're doing 100 well, million I don't think you care at that point you got 100 mil yeah so I'm, yeah, I know that but, but then it's just a hobby isn't it it's just mm. It depends whether you want to have a brand that's a hobby or do you just want to live your life and be a fucking baller? Well, I, th I think to be fair, that comes back to the, like being self-aware in it. Cause yeah. I mean, unfortunately I've not made a hundred mil yet, but like neither, mate. if I do, I think I said this in the Tyler podcast as well. Like, I do genuinely think having got to know myself over the past seven years of whatever I've been doing this fucking e-com thing now, particularly in the past year, with all that shit that happened, like mm. if I made a hundred mil, I, I honestly reckon I'd still want to start the next thing. Yeah. I actually do. I, ju I just Absolutely. can't envision myself. I'd do it, but I'd have fucking Rolls Royce Cullinan, LaFerrari, four slaves, like eight Richard Mills and a fucking custom pink <laughs> dial Patek. But, and I'd have like, hundred percent. I think I Elon think Musk working for me or some shit, but people like I'd me still and you do it. and the other people that are like doing what we're doing, it's just like, it's just in our DNA just to want to start brands, want to have the next thing. It's like what we spoke about off camera. Like we're the type of people where like it's, it's about the buzz. It's not just about the money. It's about the buzz you get when you get the sale, when you're doing your first six figure month, when you're mm. doing, when you get a seven figure year, like getting these numbers, it's like, it is a drug, isn't it? Right? Yeah. It makes you feel a certain way. It's like, no money can make you feel a certain way as getting all these like Shopify notifications or if you don't have, if you yeah, turn it off. It's not even just money to be fair. Like, I mean, 
maybe you disagree, but like it's just, I think there's something amazing about the fact you can just go from an idea or a thought in your mind, yeah, to just creating like a thing and and like and an econ brand and, and business is like for me and you and loads of others is, mm-hmm. is the most relevant vehicle to do that but it's just like even like this new brand I'm starting like I was fucking I'll show you after maybe but I was packing the fucking first hundred because I had to get around some lead time with the stock I was like fuck this I'm literally gonna pack it myself yeah. like, I don't care like I've done millions in revenue in the past all that but it's just I well, still eight, get eight a little figures, buzz from figures, that 8 figures plus in revenue yeah, and then fucked up massively in the last year. But um, I, but I still get that fucking... Like, I felt like a 16-year-old again, like, packing that shit. I still get that buzz. Absolutely. And that's the thing and that, it's like... Just, that's what it is. That's one of those things I don't think that most people can go through. Like, when I take it back to when I was starting my first brands, I remember a point where we got an end terrace house and a van turns up outside the house and 90 boxes gets unloaded into our lounge that's small. Yeah. It takes up the whole lounge... The driver asks if do we have a uh, a fucking what's it called a tail lift or whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And wait, we're in a we're in a residential street. Do you think we have one of these? Yeah. yeah. Do you think we have one of these uh, to pick up a pallet? No. But like that, going through that and the buzz of getting all these boxes into your house and then unpack unpacking it is like part of the process and part of what you love and it's part of probably what most people don't want to go through. What makes us us right? Yeah, that's so true. That's kind of deep. It's deep. It's mad. But it's, some of these things are the most memorable things in your in your journey. When you're literally at ground zero and you're you're packing boxes, you're unloading stuff from vans, take it inside your apartment or your house. The, the, these these are the things that make entrepreneurs entrepreneurs, and it's what takes people to certain places um, that most people won't go to because. Most people would not do that. They just wouldn't have the balls to do it or they couldn't be asked to do it or it's just not for them. Yeah. Fuck yeah. It's so true because like, yeah, like I've I've experienced like elements of like making it and shit in the past. Mm. Like I had my dream car like twice, fucking had a Ferrari last year and like most people look at that and think like, oh, that's fucking like, that's the dream life. But I swear to God right now, this might be the deepest thing I've ever said on the podcast so far. And I'm not just saying this. I got more of a thrill receiving the first samples for this new brand and like seven years into it. I get a fucking chills saying this than I did collecting that Ferrari. Yeah, 100%. But that's the realest yeah. shit ever. And if, if you take anything from this podcast, like that is it. Like if you, yeah. if you don't feel like that, then I don't think it's for you. 100%. Like pursuing building brands or whatever. And like, and I, I still think cars are sick and I want to have another sick car or whatever and I'm not taking anything away from that it's a but byproduct like, of it's, else, it's not right? it's not it like yeah and and you have to I think you have to go through experiencing that and like oh fuck like this materialistic desire of mine that I had since I was 16 yeah it's sick for like a minute and it still is sick but it's not it's not like that the fulfilling thing 100% it's the same with me when like I literally had a screenshot on my phone from 2016 of like a Range Rover that I really wanted that I could never afford when yeah. I finally got one I, it didn't really fucking do anything for me for like when it turned up I was like yeah after the first sick. week it's just a yeah after that I'm metal, like oh why did I not get the other why did I not get the next car like yeah. I think when people realise that materialistic things do not actually fulfil you is like when you have to 
yeah, you have, you have to understand that and move forward with it and realize that the thing that fulfills you is the journey and like what you're actually doing day to day and how that impacts you as a person. So like doing, like picking up the samples, even coming up with the brand itself, that's the enjoyable, enjoyable bit, right? Yeah. And I think as well, and fuck me, like I probably haven't spoken enough about your actual business and people will be like, oh, I want to start a clothing brand, how do I do that? But I yeah. think this shit is as, as important course, and yeah. more interesting in a, in a way. Yeah. But just on that point, like, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people, and I'm, maybe I'm wrong because I'm just cynical in ways, but like, I think a lot of people have looked at, you probably feel the same, like uh, my journey over the past few years, like, you know, the mm-hmm. highlight reel on Instagram, whatever, and think, oh, like he's got that sick car, or, you know, living in a cool place. But but they're forgetting there's like a huge list of tangible skills required to even Absolutely. start a fucking econ brand, let alone a successful one. Of course. Like even just like with this fucking little brand I'm starting now, like I did all the website myself. I did. I, I knew about product sourcing. So, you know, you, you build that skill set. Yeah. And, and I don't know what it is. Like, I think it's, it's it's like similar when people look at like, for example, someone like Jack Grealish or whatever, like, you know, young lad on 300 grand a week. But you're forgetting you couldn't do what he does. 100%. You might look easy from the, sitting on the sofa and, and I take the piss when I'm watching football. I'll say, fucking, I'll put that in. Yeah, cool. Like, yeah. I'll put that in. Like, should have won the Euros. Yeah. But like, if I got on that pitch, I'd look like an absolute retard. Well, I think that's why so many people want to start, try and start clothing brands because they, they see it on social media they think, oh, I can do that as well. And they realise it's actually a lot harder than they think. And it's all the stuff that goes around it. Like, even me personally, like you're talking about like sharing revenue figures, I'll share that, but I won't share all the shit we do during the week yeah. of like samples turning up wrong, like things getting delayed, like fucking losing money, like all this stuff that people just do not see. And it's probably partly people, like it's our fault for not sharing that kind of stuff, but you just generally don't show those lows. But yeah. people just do not understand what it takes to really like do well in in this industry it's it's a hard hard slog and it's like some of the stuff we've been through is like so difficult I think a lot of people to crumble do you know what I mean yeah I definitely think there's a problem in well not problem but just like the reality is in like social media obviously like no one shares fucking (laughs) and myself included until very recently when I just felt like an urge to fucking talk about all that shit but yeah like people just don't it's like weird how well, it's refreshing how refreshing it is to people when they see you talk about like the hard shit. Of course. Do you know what? The, the, I've been like in town or been in the gym and people said to me before like, oh, what would, like, would you do? Do you just like chill at home all day with a brand? It's like, are they on another planet? Like, they don't understand that actually the hours we put in is like 10 times what maybe a normal employee puts in. Like, we're there working all evening. We're there working all day. People are taking lunches. We're still working through lunch. Like, it's just a different lifestyle. Like most people just are not equipped or not able to do the hours and, and solve the problems we do. So even a little thing like I see is like, um, when you're saying you made your own website, the normal person would honestly not know how to do that. Like yeah. it wouldn't even compute in their brain that they need to like, if they don't know it, go onto Google and search how to how make, to make a website. this. Yeah. That's literally how you start. Yeah, and I see a lot of people where I almost feel like the the younger people of today just don't under, just don't get it. 
it's weird as it sounds, like, they just don't use their common sense. They don't, they're not, like, curious to find out how to do things. But I feel like, for me personally, as an entrepreneur, being curious and finding out how to do things is probably my biggest trait, right? Yeah. But most people just don't have that in them to do it, which, for me, is very strange. (laughs) Yeah, I'm trying to think of an an example. It's it's quite poignant, is that the word? Big word. Yeah. Because I've literally been in the fucking, like, but I'm back to square one building this next brand, but obviously with loads of experience, so I I feel like playing again. But, yeah, I'm trying, like... I'm doing a product in an industry that I knew nothing about. So like, I'm literally like, I got on a call with a supplier and just said, I know a shitload about how to build brands and I know what I'm doing like when it comes to when we launch it. But literally like quote, I know fucking nothing about this product. So please tell me like, I don't know this. I don't know this. I don't know this. Like, how does this work? Yeah. Like people don't, yeah, it's so people true. Ju- people just wouldn't ask the question. It's like, or they just assume that they should know and if they don't know it's not for them yeah and it's just, for me it baffles me rather right? than like get to know yeah and I see so many people do that through life it's like they're in a job and they're just not curious they just do not find out the answer or they wait for someone to say do this next it's like they're a robot they're waiting for people just to give them an instruction because that's not the right way to be you need to be the kind of person who's actively trying to find the answer and that's the type of person who not only does well in, in business but progresses in, in their careers those type of people are the ones who if they are choosing a corporate career are the ones who become the people on six figures or, or, or more than that because they're the ones who show their bosses that they've got a bit about them yeah I think I read somewhere I think it was Andy Frisella and he said there's like this is again pretty like tongue in cheek but there's like three types of people there's like people that can barely even follow a list of tasks and they're like low skilled workers or whatever and there's like people that can when they're told what to do they can do it really well and then there's people who can decide what they need to do and then execute upon it absolutely like yeah. if you, I reckon if, if you put me in a room with a laptop in six months and gave me like a thousand quid Turn I, I could start a brand well, maybe not a mill <laughs> maybe get to mill rev maybe, maybe I scaled it too quick but <laughs> don't do that do you know what I mean like that 100%. is like the realest thing like you can lose money and stuff but you can't lose like experience and like the way you think about things Definitely. And people say that to me, it's like, if you like weren't doing what you're doing today, what would you, what would you do tomorrow? Be like, start a new brand. And I, you've, you're the living proof of that. You've been through that. You've done that. Yeah. You've set up some amazing brands. I said to you off, off camera, some of the brands that you've started, like you've got an eye for branding and products and your next one is going to be bigger and better because you've learned how to, you've learned all these skills and you've just got an eye for product like what you can see off screen. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah and I the next agree. one will be better, definitely. Yeah, fucking facts. Facts, bro. No, can I just say, I'll Probably won't be able to hear you. But what about, can I not be able to hear me? But basically, the other day he's messaging me saying, oh, we've got to go to your seminar and learn about properties, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm the, he's the one with like early millions and whatever in this brand. And he's still coming to me saying, I want to like, learn extra stuff about properties, blah, blah, blah. Trying to drag me to a seminar with him to go learn about properties and how to get into it. I thought, you're still trying to learn all this stuff on top of what you're doing. That's for, says yeah. a lot about like, people like you to, I don't know. Yeah. I, I hope we can hear that. that. <laughs> it's a pursuit, it's a pursuit, pursuit of knowledge, isn't it? Like, for me, like, I want to always pursue new, new knowledge and how is that going to impact myself and what opportunities could that arise do you know what I mean? 
So that's why I yeah. would know other stuff. Like, obviously, my, my number one thing is fashion and, and econ, but I still want to acquire knowledge about other parts of business that could maybe impact me in the future, especially once, hopefully, once I get acquired with that money you want to go down different avenues potentially and you need to know that you need to have the knowledge to get to a place where you can capitalise on it yeah fuck yes so deep you can speak about that all day yeah, yeah the problem is with this podcast we've fucking I fucking booked dinner too early and we're going to have to go in like 15 minutes but um, <laughs> we should definitely do <laughs> we do part this, two right we do a part two of this because yeah I think I think this is the most we've gone into some interesting avenues here maybe it's the fucking red wine and vodka I don't know but I think it's also just <laughs> very like-minded it's fucking true yeah. but just bringing it back to Move then it's Move yeah. not Move right Move got it because I think that's what people want to know watching this shit they might think we're just waffling Move like what's the biggest challenge right now as it three, you're three years in you're yeah. in probably in many ways like like no man's land like people think you're doing really well so that, well you are doing well by the sounds of it but like but like you obviously have challenges as a founder a single founder yeah that maybe not a lot of other people know about or yeah so I, cetera, I think there's a few things I think that um, one of the things is supply chain especially with what we're going through in terms of like COVID and China there's like um, electricity shortages and stuff like that they're, put, they're putting onto factories so we're having a massive issue with supply chain, but not just because of external factors. It's just that because our units are growing so fast. Yeah. Whereas potentially in the in the past, maybe two factories could have serviced all of our production. We're now getting to a point where our factories cannot service us and we're getting delayed. Um, so that's hurting our revenue massively because our products are getting delayed. We can't bring them out when we say we're going to bring them out. Um so obviously I've got an amazing merchandiser, Rosie, who's forecasting all our stock figures and how much we need to bring in. When you're forecasting a certain revenue for having a certain product in stock and then it's no longer going to be there because it's delayed, when you're kind of playing at this kind of numbers, it massively affects the business. So number one, that's a massive thing. So the big thing we're looking at now is just to massively increase our supply network and find new factories around the world so if any issues occur we've got other places to go um, the second thing is growing the team and growing the team effectively so bringing the right people in so obviously you can you can employ people but if they're not the right fit for your business they're going to be yeah. a massive disadvantage to you and it could be actually a negative uh, move so it's taking the right time to find the right people to come and join us um, especially with our location being outside of London or Manchester for fashion. Yeah, very true. Um, there's certain jobs uh, or positions that we're struggling to fill because we just can't find the right people that fit our business. Um, thirdly, it's, it's just Facebook fucking iOS 15. Yeah. Is it 15 or 14? Or 14, wherever it is. I don't even know. 25. It's, uh, it's an issue. Um, we're, you know reporting's all over the gaff so you know we are we are struggling with that so we're just having to change our strategy and stuff like that but the good thing is we're growing massively um, we're going in the right direction I'd say the other thing is also where we're growing internationally is, is deciding who's our customer in each country what products do they buy 
how can we localize the website how can we speak to each customer so if we're if we've got certain percentages of revenue from certain countries how does that change from each country and if we want to grow different countries how do we speak to them to ensure we can grow yeah interesting fuck mm. probably dive into that as well Right, another quick fire question then relatively who do you consider your biggest competitor and like most on the radar you, I, I want you to say I don't know who it is I, w- I would definitely say it's MDV I knew you'd say that definitely I think I would say you know if if anyone from MDV listening at this point of year three of our business we are way ahead of where they were at year three we've not even launched women's yet so you've got to remember that women's for them you plan really, on doing that we're launching women's in December so watch out for that I personally think that women's wear is going to be double our reven- double what we're doing for men's wear. So I generally believe that we're on a on a massive upward curve. Um, and just looking at what other brands have done at our stage of the company, we're very ahead of what other people are doing. So we're, we've as long as I don't massively fuck up, we're on a, on a good upward upward curve still. Yeah, interesting. But maybe MDV will have to buy you. Fuck no! I still I get Reese in my DMs ch- chatting shit sometimes. So chatting shit sometimes, yeah. Is in like hating? Or? Yeah, a few times. I do you know what I think? The, the issue I I have I have respect for him. He he's done very well, but I think our both our brands are looking at very similar uh, references when we're designing when we're looking for the next thing to come out with. So there's certain times where we do come up with products that might look similar. I have to say, and I it's think, not it's not on purpose. Yeah, it's not I think the whole brand saying that other, particularly clothing, because mm. probably more, most competitive brands saying that other brands are copying them because they're doing something similar is just ludicrous. Like, absolutely, it, there's obviously going to be overlaps, and, it, and you know, very close and to I identical at times. The big thing that brands got to realise is you're complaining about people copying you, but you're copying the high street. Sorry, you're copying yeah. you're copying the high street and also the Designer, runways. Yeah. So you're copying Gucci, you're copying fucking Givenchy. So you're taking your inspiration for Givenchy, making a design, and then, then you're moaning at someone for doing the same because it looks similar to yours. Well, you're looking at the same reference. So of course it's going to look similar to yours because everyone's looking yeah. at the same thing. And it's also an item of clothing. So like, exactly. Like and in a few be, months, no one's going to give a fuck about it's it. It's going to anyway. have two arms if it's a t-shirt. You exactly. Know what I mean? Do you know what? There's enough, there's enough to go around for everyone to have good dinner enough of the pie do you know what I mean there's there's so much so many people out there people need to stop worrying about other people and just focus on themselves because the, the world is so big the market is not going to get impacted by someone who's got a brand that's doing 20 million in revenue there's so much money out there I don't think people realise is like if yeah. me and you went toe to toe with a brand so it's really not going to impact us if we I realise that when you, have, you go on a plane at like night time well, obviously just a plane in general but like you're flying over a fucking cut, like world for like I don't know 11 hours if you're going yeah. to like Bali or some shit mm. you're going 600 miles an hour for 11 hours and there's people everywhere below you exactly there's a lot of people there's a lot of people obviously out there obviously seeing shit but you get the point there's so many people out there it, it really does not matter like everyone's got if, if everyone's if anyone's got the kind of idea to start a brand there's enough to go around for everyone to do well yeah I, I 100% think that as well like I just think yeah, there's basically no such thing as a saturated market because no, there's, not. there's an angle on everything. And everything. All right, final question because purely because we're time pressed on this one and we'll do an episode two. Definitely. Fine. It's still a banger episode, I think. But 
this is like a cheesy question but I just thought of it like because I think a lot of people watching will, will relate so if you could give one bit of advice to your 17 year old self then watching or listening because you were 17 like you said when you started yeah what would it be not be so naive I think when anyone's starting out a business there's going to be a lot of people who are going to try and tell you certain things maybe dangle a few carrots um tell you you could do something or make a certain amount of money if you take their help but you've got to remember everyone in business is out there to make their own money so just be very careful with who you work with who you deal with and um just stay in your own lane and be just very aware of what's around you so i think one of the biggest takes is like especially in the fashion industry so obviously be a lot of people who are trying to start up clothing brands who want to go into the fashion industry once you start a brand up, the traditional way to get into stores and make money is going to a fashion agency. Um, and what that is, is you'll have someone who's got a showroom in London or Manchester. They stock all your clothes in their showroom. And the idea is that stores like ASOS, JD Sports, Top Man when they were around would come in, mm. look at your clothing and then buy your clothing based on what they've seen. But the issue is the fashion agency would take between 10 and 15%, maybe even 20% of your uh, revenue from that deal just to have your stuff in their showroom. So on the outside, that might sound fine. It's a small percentage to take for maybe a massive reward. But the uh, the reality is, is that they're to fuck you over. You've got to remember, they're going to make money out of you. And um, there's something called agency law that if you decide at any point that you want to leave the agency, if they've made you £100,000 in sales, you owe them a whole year's worth of commission if you want to leave. So there's been certain brands that have made millions out of agencies and then they want to leave because they realise getting fucking ripped off and then they've got to pay a whole year's worth of uh, commission to that agent. And the issue is that can put people out of business um, mm. and that makes small brands very... Uh, very kind of exposed to that and going out of business um, and these agents are top salespeople, and they're going to try and tell you what they can to try and make just a small buck out of you so they'll try and dangle that carrot like I said they're going to try and tell you that you can be the next fucking whatever biggest brand in the world just so they can maybe make a few thousand pounds out of you so just be aware of what's around you try and do things yourself try and approach stores yourself if that's the avenue you want to go down I'd always say try and go direct to consumer right yeah I think that's probably the way to scale with a small team um, but just just be aware of what's around you and uh, don't take what people say as gospel because that's the worst thing you can do as a, as a young kid sweet big value right um yeah, that was a fucking good one, I think. I could probably go on for like five hours, but I, I like need to piss and, and we've got to go out. But um, we'll do an episode two. And I, I reckon we get you on for episode two. I, f- I felt bad you sat over there Probably's off camera. Too, yeah. But um, I've got, some I got my, best, my best mate, by the way, who supported yeah. me from the start. He's, he's off camera, but next episode will be on. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I guess, hope you enjoyed that episode. As I said before, listen to it wherever the fuck you want, whether that's Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube. This podcast will be going places. I think. Fire. Um, and yeah, we'll see you in the next one. Cheers for watching. Peace. Nice one.